Welcome to the pen and the yod. This week's Torah portion is Shalach Lecha, Great Acts and Great Confidence. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshe Amit Synagogue and author Jonathan Eig talk about why the Israelites lack confidence. Should they have been more courageous? What would Frederick Douglass or Al Capone have done? When is a leap of faith required to change the world? The children of Israel have been traveling for approximately two years, and they have gone from Egypt, and they are now standing on the precipice of Canaan. And the portion begins, Shlach lecha anashim ve'yaturu et eretz kanam. The translation is, send men to scout the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelite people. But the actual Hebrew reads, Shlach lecha, either you send the command form, or send for yourselves. Now the portion is going to be a debacle. It's going to be a disaster. Because they're going to send 12 spies. They're going to go down into the land and they're going to discover that this is in fact a land of milk and honey. It, is, it, it lives up to the hype. It is an amazingly fruitful land. But 10 of the 12 spies are going to come back with the idea that yes, it's an amazing land, but the people are too, they're too strong for us, and they're too mighty. And in one of the great lines, they're going to say that we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. They don't know that, but they, that's their perception. And because of that, and because of the report of those 10 spies, the people become fearful and revolt against Moses. Joshua and Caleb, they are the ones who say, no, we can do this. Let's trust in God. Let's go forward. But in the end, they're going to wander for another generation. And the people who revolt against uh, Moses, the spies who um, led the revolt, they will never see the inside of the promised land. They're going to die in the desert. This is a really challenging story about confidence, about faith, and the uh, dangers when we come up short. Well, yeah, it raises a lot of interesting issues for me about faith and about, about leadership, because these scouts may have only been scouts, but they were playing a decisive role in whether a people were going to boldly go forth or not. And if you look at history, if you look at the people who have traditionally taken the biggest chances, many of them we don't know about because they've been tremendous failures. But the great leaders have been people who've taken great chances, often with enormous personal risk and against the advice of their advisors, their counselors. Think about Frederick Douglass. Think about Martin Luther King. Think about Menachem Begin, any of the early Zionists. Um, these are people who were told that what they were doing was crazy. You know, Ben-Gurion and his wife, they lived in a cave when they first went to the land of Israel. They left a pretty civilized society. They left a place where there was intellectual fervor, and they went to this new land that was incredibly bold, that was following an idea. You know, it's interesting that in the text, the rabbis pick up on this word lecha, shlach lecha, that either you allow yourself to be commanded, you have the confidence to go forward, but if you rely on your own confidence, shlach lecha, go for yourself, go prove it to yourself by sending out spies, then, then that's the beginning of the crack in the wall, right? Because at the end of the day, if you look at the large decisions in your life, there were 101 reasons why you might not do it or you might wait a little longer. 
But there comes a moment where you simply say, if I don't, if, if I don't do it now, it's never going to happen. That's right. And you take that step forward. And I think every person can relate to that. And I think we also relate to moments when if I just would have done that, it would have all been different. If I just would have spoken up, if I just would have gotten up and moved, right? That's right. It could have been, it could have been a very different story. And that's certainly the story of the children of Israel, both as, and, and we can learn from it as individuals, and we can learn from it um, as a nation. This is a question I ask a lot um, when I'm working on a biography, because you're looking at a human life, someone you don't know, someone you've never met, and you're asking what made them think they could be special. And whether you're talking about Al Capone, somebody who did not do great things for the world, or whether you're talking about Muhammad Ali, uh, who did great things and some not so great things, or someone like Martin Luther King, who may have been the greatest leader of the 20th century, what made that one person think that they could be different and take chances that other people were not taking? What made a 21-year-old Al Capone think that he could run an entire city's booze business. What made, um, and Dick Gregory asked me this question, I interviewed him, and he said, you need to ask yourself, what made Muhammad Ali, a black kid growing up in the Jim Crow South, think that he could speak back to white people and get away with it when Emmett Till died for that? So I think in all of these cases, in most of them, there's, a, there's an inner confidence there. There's something that says, I don't have to play by your rules. I think the same could be said for Donald Trump. He said, I don't have to play by the Republican Party's rules, like him or hate him. He's somebody who had certainly a lot of confidence to take on things that people thought couldn't be done. There's a larger idea driving them. That's right. They see something that we might see, but they feel like they've got to go get it. They can't wait for someone else. That's, that's a very powerful idea. I also think about Lou Gehrig, who you wrote about. Uh, who had this kind of quiet confidence, and yet he was driven to do great things. And he becomes this remarkable symbol of courage when he's ill. Yeah, and even before he's ill, this is one of the things that I loved about Gehrig. He's a very insecure man. He doesn't date. He's, he seems scared of women, even though he's big and strong and handsome and rich. But he puts himself out there. He finds something he can uh, he can do and feel good about to overcome his, his insecurities. He becomes the iron horse of baseball, plays every day. He knows he's never going to be as popular as Babe Ruth, but Babe Ruth is out sick all the time because he drinks too much. But Gehrig is going to be the guy who shows up for work, never misses a game, Strong super and reliable. He, he finds he, his true identity. He knows what makes himself special. And then when he finds out he's dying, that he's been cursed with this de deadly disease that's going to kill him at the age of 38, he doesn't hide. He doesn't. He, that's when he discovers that he can be the bravest of all, and he can overcome his shyness and his insecurity. He can share with the world his illness and let them see that he's not going to be defined by his illness and shows the kind of courage that he never showed when he was healthy. Um, so there was that one moment. That's right, where he was tested. That he was tested, and he discovered that uh, remarkable quality within him. I'm also thinking about a new biography about Frederick Douglass. And Frederick Douglass, who was born in abject slavery in a backwater in the South, and how he made a decision, living, being exposed to Baltimore, which was um, a very exciting shipping uh, area, to get on a train, to disguise himself, to smuggle himself, literally, uh, to New York City, and the world changes. And this 
person who had no reason to think that he would be anything more than a slave tells the exact opposite story of the children of Israel in the portion. He chose to go forward. And at one point in his life, he is the most popular orator in the United States of America. That's right. That if you came to this country, you would do anything possible to hear him speak at an outdoor rally. Mm -hmm. He was the most photographed American in the 19th century, more than Lincoln. So here's this slave who may have been uh, the master's son, being one of the most severe critics of Abraham Lincoln, but then one of his greatest supporters, and that meant everything. Where does that come from? But you, you see it in, in that initial step where he made the decision. He was, not going to be, he was not going to be enslaved anymore. He had the opportunity, and he took it, and he went forward. And the world changed as a result. And what makes one person capable of doing that and not another? Is it faith in God? Is it faith in something bigger than themselves? Is it the love of their mothers? Is it something that inspires them to feel like, I don't have to wait for someone else to do this. I can do this myself. I can change the world. That's different for every person, but I have to believe that there's something inside you giving you confidence that maybe the guy next to you doesn't have. You know, in our world... Many parents have been criticized for being um, overly solicitous to their own children. I'm not sure what you're talking about. I would never <laughs> do such a thing. Don't look at me like that. Okay. <laughs> I think all of us are, are uh, um, guilty to some of that. The question that I think we would do well to ask is, shouldn't we be focusing not on who you are and what you deserve, and why everything you do has merit, but rather, what is it that you can contribute? What does the world need from you? That in the portion, God has the confidence in the people of Israel that they don't have in themselves. That's right. God sees them as having the gifts that they may not perceive. And that message didn't get across, clearly. What's our, what are our responsibilities as parents to not only teach our children to have a sense of self-worth, but also to teach our children that they have a responsibility to take the risks to make the world better, that they have something to contribute? And that, I think, is also a large part of this, that all of these people, in their own way, felt that they had a responsibility to take the risk, to do something that other people were afraid to do. I wonder, you know, they were... In the desert for two years at this point in our in our story, that's a that's nothing for the Jews, right? We can yeah. do more than two years. Is it that they 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 hadn't suffered enough yet to take that chance to be willing to take that chance? But what's of interest is that when the day comes, when the new generation goes in, they send spies out again, and the spies are going to go to a woman by the name of Rachav, and Rachav uh, is an interesting figure. But what's fascinating about her is that she will tell the, the spies that we had heard of you coming and we were terrified. Mm. So it was the exact opposite experience. They were the ones who felt like grasshoppers because they had heard of the sea splitting. They had heard of all the things that had happened. But because the Israelites didn't have confidence in themselves, they didn't have confidence in their mission, ultimately they didn't have confidence in God, they failed. That's a powerful lesson for us to take forward, I think, into this age, 
and think about what it is that we can accomplish and what we must accomplish because what the portion is reminding us of is that God's not going to do it for us. That's right. 